0: Welcome out on a cold January here in Uniontown. So good to have you here. And uh, thanks for joining us as we uh, uh, kick off our our new series called Radiate uh, here in 2017. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to uh, Philippians chapter 1. And uh, that's where we will begin today. The uh, football coach had uh, told his team to report to their first day of practice in suit and tie to the practice facilities, and uh, as he appeared, and let me just say, I, I just had to. It was just one of those things that I had to do today, and I'm glad to see I'm not the only one. Uh, there's about three of us that, uh, uh, but uh, where two or three are gathered, we'll just leave it at that. That doesn't really doesn't really matter, but uh, no no connection other than it's just it's just fun, exciting uh, today. Uh, I can get excited about football. I can get excited about Penn State. I wanted to get more excited, but they lost. Uh, I can get excited about the Steelers, we'll see what happens there, but how many know that if we're going to get excited, excited about anything, there's nothing more exciting than to know that Jesus Christ gives us life, and life more abundantly, and it overflows, is there anybody overflowing with the joy of the Lord that makes life, and gives life, and gives more abundantly? Yeah, yeah. Some of you, I, I don't know what to, yeah, some of you, I don't know what we're supposed to do right there, that's... That, <laughs> Well, if you're happy and you know it, just let it let it show. Football coach had told his students his team to show up in uh, their their uh, suit and tie to the first day of practice. And as they showed up to the facilities, the uh, to this college football practice, the uh, coach was there dressed as well. And he took them into the practice facilities, and tables were set up with white linen and fine dining, and the spread was put out on the table. And uh, it was an odd way to begin a college football season and the practice. And the, uh, the the players thought it was odd, but no one would dare ask the question to the coach of what he was thinking or what he was doing. And they all found their seat and began the first day of their practice, the beginning of that season. As the coach stood there, he explained to each of his players, he said, we are starting with the end in mind. He said, at the end of the season, there will be teams who will qualify for a bowl game and at that bowl game, they will be given an invitation to a dinner where they will be able to come, and it will be a nice dinner. And he said, I want you to know how to act when you get there. He said, we're starting with the end in mind. Our goal is to make it to our bowl game, and in, in that, the response of being to a bowl game, our goal is to be ready for the dinner that comes with the bowl game. He said, we're starting with the end in mind. This is 2017, and we're starting the first series of our new year with the end in mind. And this is our goal, that we would radiate, that we would move out from where we are and it be able to expand and spread in our life. That the hope of Christ that is in us would also work through us. That this would be a year of radiating, a year of expanding, a year of seeing God do even more, working through us for His glory. We want to, we want to start with the end in mind painting the picture of what that looks like, of preparing our hearts so that when the end of 2017 gets here, we can look back and say look what God has done. Look at the new places God has taken us. Look at the things God has done in us. The things that God has taught us. The things that God is doing in us that we can see the work of God radiating through us. This is our desire. How many want to see God work in our hearts, in our church and do greater things in Our midst for His glory. Anything that radiates, it means to extend or to move out from the center. And we want that to be what God is doing in us. That it would not just be what God is doing in this place, but is what God is doing through this place. Not just what God is doing in your life, but what God is doing through your life. It is good, we said last week about the importance of acknowledging blessings. But blessings are not just those things that come to us. But when we really give the definition to blessing of not what just comes to us, but what goes through us, that we're blessed not because we have something, but we're blessed because God is doing something through us for his glory. You can count blessings by what it is, by things that God is doing, bringing to you. And those are blessings, but you will count even more blessings when you identify what God is doing through you. Because even the difficult things can be seen as God's working in our life and he takes what is difficult, what does not look like a blessing and causes that to produce something for His glory. That we want not just God to do things to us and in us, but we want God to do things through us. If that's your desire, would you just shout amen this morning? If you say that is the heartbeat of this new year, amen. In Jesus' name, the 2017 would not just be a year that God does things in us, but that God would do things, even greater things, through us for His glory. In Philippians chapter 1. Well, I want to take a look at that, and and this morning, as we as we look to see this this work take place, we call this radiate. And uh, let me just give you a picture of of what this is about. And here's the picture: you might think of a radiator, Uh, radiator, radiator. I don't know, say what you want. Um, You might think of a radiator, and of 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 course, in the uh, in mechanics and uh, the the whole aspect, the purpose of that is to send a supply the resources that that radiator goes through and it affects the the atmosphere, the temperature of whether it's the heating system or the vehicle, whatever it is. If that radiator is not operating properly, it will affect the advancement. It will affect the atmosphere, the condition. There is literally in that that ability in a radiator, in a heating system, the ability to change the atmosphere around it. I want you to know that what is inside of us literally has the ability to affect the atmosphere atmosphere that we live in. It literally has the ability to affect the atmosphere and the things that are around us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yes, we are people who are affected by our circumstances, but that is just by nature. But when we are filled with the power of God, we are not just people affected by our circumstances. We are people filled with the spirit of God able to affect the circumstances that are around us. That is the power of God through us that what God is doing in us can affect what is going on and what is taking place the atmosphere that is around us the power of God that is inside of us can literally change the atmosphere around us that's what his word says that's what we hold on to and that's what we believe and pray that this year would be a year that God would manifest that 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 work that he's doing in us would flow in greater measure And be something that He would do immeasurably more than we could even imagine. More than what we could ask or think. That God would work through us for His glory. That is our desire. In Philippians chapter 1 this morning, if you stand with me today. We take a look at this word. I want to read this text this morning. And just identify what it is that God would work In Jesus' name, Philippians chapter 1. This is Paul's letter. Paul, uh, We say that a lot when we start to read out of the New Testament. Paul writing a letter. He did that a lot, didn't he? Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 20. He says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. I'm going to start back up again. Paul is writing this for himself, and I pray this as we look at the beginning of 2017 with the desire to radiate. Listen to these words. He says, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive, so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I want the, this. This verse twenty-five is what I want to uh, want to look at today. He says, "I am convinced that I will remain alive." Somebody say, "remain alive." Remain alive. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, "look alive, look alive." I will remain alive so that I can continue to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I want to share for the next couple minutes from this title, just simply this, remain alive. Just as Paul says that we would remain alive. Father, bless this word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, God, that you are working beyond our own abilities. So, Father, we just ask you to take control. We give you control. Have your way. Do what you desire. Lord, let it not just be words that are, that, that are English words in a dictionary, but, Father, let it be the anointing of your spirit that speaks, that our hearts would hear, and not only hear, but that we would respond. We ask this for your glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen and amen. On your way to being seated, just high-five someone and say, here we go. You can add Steelers to the end of that if you want to. Here we go. Here we go. Remain alive. Sounds like somebody just wanted to break out in a song right there. Wisdom is being ready to respond in every moment of life. And I'm glad you came to church this morning because... Your desire was to gain wisdom. You wanted to come today to hear something that the Holy Spirit might encourage and and speak through His Word in just this time together. And I'm believing God that He'll speak through this Scripture and through this Word. But just uh, just in case you don't get anything else out of it, I want to give you some words of advice. I found it from the National Park Service. Here it is. You don't have to write this down. Just remember this. Some words of advice, wisdom to be ready. Here's what it says. If you are attacked by a brown grizzly bear, leave your backpack on and play dead on the National Park Service. Lay flat on your stomach with your hands clasped behind your neck. Spread your legs to make it harder for the bear to turn you over. Remain still and calm and play dead until the bear leaves the area. Fighting back can intensify the attack of the grizzly bear. This morning... If you get attacked by a bear, play dead. It's your best chance to survive. Just lay there and wait for that bear to run away. Because when you're being attacked by something greater than you, your only choice is to play dead. But when you're called to be on the attack because something is greater in you than is around you, it's not a moment to play dead, it's the moment that we are to remain alive. Too often what we do in our faith is we are affected by the world that's around us and when we feel the threat of what's around us, we tend to play dead when we were called to remain alive. We tend to play dead and take a silent road that we play dead because we're a afraid of the threat that's around us. Fear will cause you to play dead, but when you know the power of God that is inside of you, you don't have to remain calm and play dead. You remain alive and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to penetrate in you and through you so that we might see an impact in the world that we live in. That we would not be a people crippled by fear playing dead. That we would not be a church dead. Not not a church of people that are just going through the motions. That we have a form of godliness, but that we would remain alive in our faith. Look alive this morning. Look alive because the cross is is empty and the grave is empty. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Look alive today because He conquered both death, hell, and the grave. Look alive today because He said perfect love casts out all fear. Look alive today. You might be looking at circumstances and situations and it makes you feel like curling up, laying on your back, and playing dead so that it can't hurt you or harm you but I want you to know this morning look up your redemption draws nigh allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength and remain alive no matter what it is because he promises to bring you through to bring glory to him he will accomplish that which he started so look alive and remain alive because he is for us and not against us holding on today In this day, if we are going to radiate, if we're going to radiate the hope and the presence of God and the Spirit of the Lord, if we're going to affect the atmosphere that's around us, it will require us to remain alive. Dead things don't produce anything. It's in our lives that we are alive, that we are anticipating, that we are looking forward to. Is your faith alive this morning? that we would be alive that we would that we would stop playing dead in our communities but that we would be alive in the places of our influence is your faith alive not on Sunday when you come to church but what is your faith how alive is your faith when you're when you're at home in your marriage relationship in as children with parents how is your faith is your faith alive in circumstances when you're not getting the best of news when you're walking through your school and you have an opportunity to shine the light of God's glory to make a statement of faith not of arrogance but a statement of truth is your faith alive or are we playing dead in the world that we're around because fear overtakes us and makes us feel like laying on our stomach with hands over our head and hoping for the best just playing dead but he didn't come to bring a church to just play dead he came to take a people who once were dead and bring us to life that we would remain alive in what he has done the bible says in ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 he says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. If someone's sleeping this morning, would you just nudge them and wake them up today? That's your job. You've got that job. Now, don't pay all the attention to them. It, 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 just, uh, just notice every once in a while. Or if you hear a snore, that's a good moment. You want to, for their sake as well, just bring some uh, some help into that, that matter. But wake up. Here's what he says. He says, wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let me tell you why that's important. Because if Christ doesn't shine on us, we have nothing to shine to our world. It is Christ shining on us that allows us to reflect His glory through us. It is Christ shining on us that allows us to reflect His glory into the world that's around us. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up. Rise up from the dead. Don't allow yourself to play dead in a world because you are you don't want to offend. You don't want to hinder. You don't want to cause difficulty. You, you don't want to speak truth in the matter because you don't know how they're going to handle it. Speak the truth in love. Remain alive. Let's not be a people who are dead in the world that we live in, but let us be like Paul this morning and remain alive. Just one more time, look at your neighbor and tell him, Look alive, look alive, look alive. I want to give you three things this morning. Just from this, this word today, is, as, a, a, as an encouragement to us from Paul's life, he says this, He says, I will remain alive. I want to challenge us to allow our faith to intensify, to grow. And that we would see impact God working through us. I want to give you just a couple things this morning that I believe are, are crucial if we're going to remain alive in the day that we live in. When darkness falls upon the place, the darkness is not greater. It's that the light is not shining properly. Darkness does not overcome the light. Light removes itself from the darkness. Light gives way to darkness. Darkness does not overtake the light. Light gives way to the darkness, but when light shines, the darkness cannot help but be affected as it radiates and as it goes forth. Let me give you this morning, if if we're going to remain alive, some words of encouragement to remain alive. Here's number one. You can write these down, or maybe if you're following along on on U version, you'll find them there on the live event. But here's what it says here here's this morning. What I want to hear is number one: live. In the moment. If we're gonna if we're gonna remain alive, we need to learn to live in the moment. I want you to notice this morning, I didn't say live for the moment. I said live in the moment. If we live for the moment, we're missing out on hope because hope is not in this moment, hope is in eternity. But when we live in the moment, we bring hope with us. We bring hope to the places that we are. When we live in the place that we are, that we've got to live in the the moment we live for eternity but we live in this moment right now in verse 20 Paul says this he says for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue somebody say continue I don't need to tell you what, what that word "continue" means. When something continues, it's ongoing. It's repeating a fashion or, or, or a, a process of what it's been been a part of. It's continuing what it started. Are you continuing in this process? Are you moving forward? He says. He says these words. He said, "But I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in." the past. I thank God for what he's done in the past, but where you were is not as important as who you are right now. Who you were is not as important as who you are now. Where you were is not as important as where you are now. It is right now that makes all the difference of what is happening in your life. That is in the good and in the bad. You may have had your best days in the past, but how many know your best isn't going to be because of what you had in the past. It's going to be because of what you're living in today. And here's the good news of the gospel i'm not judged because of what i've done in the past it's in the present that god looks at me and because my life is covered by the blood of jesus christ he doesn't look at what i've done or what i've been he looks at who i am now covered in the righteousness of jesus christ where i am now matters more than where i was then you may have a good past We can celebrate everything you did in the past. We can talk about what God has done through you. But it's not about what God once did. It's are you allowing him to continue what he started in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be stuff that's going to come along the way and stare you down and say, not sure this is worth it. Not sure this is going to go your way. Not sure this is going to happen the way you want it to happen. But it's one thing as we profess faith, but it's a whole different thing to walk faith. And when we continue to remain, this process of remaining, are you remaining? I know what it's like as a teenager. I remember as a teenager, God, I'm going to give you all my heart. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to share Jesus in my school. How many know I go to school and I would find every reason why I can't say anything in this moment? Because it's one thing To have a decision, it's another thing now to continue in the decision that was made. That's a practical we all might be able to relate to. But it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or not. It's the process of what is it that we're continuing. Are you living in this moment or are you living in your past? Are you living in the moment today, or are you living in your past? That might be your past that says, I've done too much wrong. My past is too bad. There's too much I've done behind me. I can't. Listen, whatever your past has been, the blood of Jesus washes it away. We don't live in the past. Here's the other aspect. You might be living in your past, m- m- recalling all the things that you used to do, the way God worked, the way God did things, the way things happened, and you're constantly stuck in your past. The question is, are you continuing Today, are you continuing what it was in the past? Is there a continuing? Are you living in the moment or are you stuck somewhere back behind you? Are we living in this moment right now that today, what God is doing today, what it is that God wants to accomplish today? Ephesians chapter 5, 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If where you are, If where you are is not greater than where you've been, it may be that where you've been was only a facade to put off or project a good impression on people. It is a scary thing when our relationship with Jesus can be limited to just a projection and not a life-changing process. We can speak of where we've been But what I've learned about where I've been is that God was only bringing me through things so He could work in me some things that needed to be dealt with in my life. God is constantly at work developing and bringing us into a place of life change and transformation. I'm not afraid to tell you That 2016 was not my favorite year, but it was a year that God did a lot of great things. Because in this past year, God revealed some things in my life. I've always known my insecurities, but God really hit the finger or put the finger on where the cause of my insecurities have been. And I've lived in this process, knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, but God brought to light some things that needed to be dealt with. And you know how uncomfortable it is for God to pull about some things that need to be dealt with in your life? Some things you wouldn't even think were there. I'm a preacher. I've served Jesus since I was seven years old. I'm a second generation preacher I come from a very good home my parents are still together we had a great thing, everything went well but my dad is still from Adam and we're still affected by the things of this world and a process and I learned a way of thinking that just became accustomed to my way of thinking and it was just my natural default of how I looked at things, how I handled and when I felt the pain of insecurity it was a default of how I would run or try to deal with it but God dealt in put a finger at a point and said this needs to change this needs to be dealt with and when that comes to the surface ah. now if you've got it all figured out and you've got it all put together then you're, you're a long shot ahead of me but in my 30 two years of walking after Jesus and learning how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's teaching me that there comes places where it's not enough to just keep a facade and make it look like everything's been good according to the past, but to allow it to be all in the open and say, God, it is only by your grace that you work in the issues and the dysfunction and the messed up place that I am and who I am and who I'm from, but I thank God that what I've been is nothing compared to who you are at work in of me. Don't run away from the stuff that's ugly in your life. Embrace what God is doing and let him transform you from the inside out so that you might be like you've never been before. Or else you just keep pushing down and never dealing with what needs to be dealt with and constantly remaining and living in the point of your past, but not continuing in the process of what God wants to do in you. He cannot do anything through us until we allow him to do something in us. And I'm glad that I'm a part of a church where God is doing something in me and through me. I'm glad to be a part of a a house of grace where people love me not because of how good I perform, but because they know that I belong to Jesus Christ and we link arms together so that we might see the glory of God advance. I'm glad that I'm a part of a church that doesn't judge because of measuring up to the certain look and the certain style and the certain way and the certain things. I'm glad I'm a part of a church that says this is all about Jesus Christ. And when we know Jesus, He does the work on the inside through the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we just keep moving towards Jesus, we cannot help but be changed because of the power of God at work inside of us. If we're going to remain alive, we've got to live in the moments, sometimes the moments that aren't the nicest, sometimes the moments that I've got to confront, hey, this needs dealt with, but if I've, where I am today is not greater than where I've been, it might be that I've been more of my life with Jesus is a projection than really a process of allowing God to make me more like him. Don't ever let your relationship with Jesus just be a projection to make it look good. Hey, if you came to church here to find a date, you came to a good place, but don't fake it. Don't fake it just to get one of God's good ones on the inside. Don't come to church looking for something and just putting on a facade, making it look good. But then when it's time to deal with the stuff that's really on the inside, ah. Don't put up the facade. Live in the moment. And here's the moment. This is the moment. The moment is this, that God by his grace does a transformation and changes us from the inside out. It's his grace. It's his promise. It's what he does. We've got to be people who live in the moment. Let me give you number two. Number two, if we're going to remain alive, we need to live for the more. Live in the moment. Live in the moment right now. Right now today, how is your walk with Jesus Christ? I know you might have stuff you need to press through. You've got got issues. I've got issues. You've got thoughts that need taken captive. I've got thoughts that need to be taken captive. You've got emotions that have been affected by hurt and regret in your past. I've got hurt and regret in my past. But in this moment, the blood of Jesus and His grace is sufficient in my life. That He is healing me and leading me. That in this moment, I'm not what I've been. I am what I've never been before by the grace of Jesus Christ. That I'm continuing in this journey. I'm continuing. I've got to live in the moment. I've got to live for the more. Our lives are made up by the decisions that we make. You made a decision to come to church this morning. I, 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 I'm I not just going to applaud you. I'm going to say, God bless you, thank you. Because our desire here at Faith Assembly is to reach people, to reach their purpose. And when we reach people who reach people, it becomes this, this effect that continues to grow and increase. We will reach Fayette County by reaching one person at a time. When we each make a decision, when we set our hearts in line, when we put our direction forward, when we make the decision God has called us to do, when we make the right decisions and we live for the more. There's a deciding factor, and Paul says it this way, it is better that I continue to live. He says this in verse 22, I believe it is. In verse 22, he says this word, he says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He was in the middle of a decision, not just a decision, but two desires. His desire was this, he said, I want to die and be with Jesus. You're talking about Paul who was in prison in chains for preaching the gospel. Paul says, I would much rather just die and be with Jesus. He said it this way. Maybe your translation says, For me to live is Christ, but to die, that is much gain. If I would die, I'd be in the presence of God. He wasn't suicidal. He wasn't morbid. He knew the hope that he had was not what he would experience in this life, but the hope and the promise of what he would have with Christ. He said, But I decide to remain. He said, I'm convicted. Convinced that I will remain alive because it's better for you. He said it is more fruitful. Are we making the decision for that which would bring more fruit and more glory to God? Because we're in a place of decision every day. And it comes down to this. We make a decision. Are we going to do what we want or what God wants? Is it what we want in the flesh or is it what the Spirit would have us do? Is it what we desire or is it what God would desire? Because I find myself being good at making excuses as to why it's okay to do what I think I ought to do. I know what it's like to give every good reason and rationale to why it's okay for me to eat the pie. And I don't mean the pie, I mean the pie. (laughs) I've got every good reason. Some of my favorite reasons are this. I might be going on a fast soon one day and I'll need it to, like some bear hibernating, you know, I gotta stock up. But this is probably the one I use the most. I don't want it to go to waste. That's my issue. My mother never even had to say to me, the kids in Africa, that was never a thing, but somehow I convinced myself, I better eat this so it doesn't go to waste, because people, as if that's gonna help the hungry people. It's not helping the hungry people and it's sure not helping this person. But I've convinced myself this is the right thing to do. Why? Because my mind is naturally geared to convincing me to what the flesh wants. My mind is in the process of becoming like Christ. Here's the thing, and I believe next week, talking about uh, spontaneous combustion, that if we're going to radiate, it becomes spontaneous that we move. And you're going to hear that sermon next week. But I believe that it's important that we learn to not allow our mind to just rationalize things because when we do, our mind will always convince us as to why it's okay to do what the flesh wants. Every time I go on a fast, my mind will convince me of why it's okay to break and to cheat the fast. My mind rationalizes and I come up with good reasons because I am so connected to my flesh. But if I'm connected to my flesh, the flesh only produces excuses. But when I'm connected to the spirit, it produces power. I want to ask you today, are you remaining alive? Are you making more excuses? Do you have more excuses or encounters? Do you have more excuses or encounters? Are you encountering God in in ordinary places? Or have you created a list of excuses as to why you're not seeing God work in your life and in your situation? Are you creating a list of excuses of why it's not happening? Sometimes our excuse can be someone else's fault. It's their fault. My prayer life would be a lot better if it weren't for my wife. I'd really be able to connect with God if it, if it weren't for, for the, the, my, my work environment. You And all those things are are excuses that we've rationalized to not remain alive in Christ, but rather to just play dead. Just play dead. Just play dead. It'll go away. Hopefully we'll just survive. But God didn't call us to be a people who survive. He called us to be a people who live in the power of His Spirit, that we would live for the more. Are we being more fruitful? Or are we just producing excuses? I'm not saying that because I'm a preacher just up here wagging my finger, because I dare not wag my finger, because I know this guy. I know. What is it that we can make excuses? I, I I need to shine a light in my school. Well, I don't want to I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to push them away. Oh, so we never show them the light so they can find the way because we're afraid the light might push them away. I make excuses for why I don't tithe. I, I God, I, I would give you ten percent, but I'll wait till after the bills are paid and then I'll give you the leftovers. I'll wait and see how this works. here's one thing I've learned is that the longer I let it process in my mind, the more likely it is I'll talk myself out of what God's called me to do because my mind is naturally geared to line up with the flesh. but the mind that immediately responds lines up more with the spirit. the spirit that will that will respond to what God is saying, to what the word of God is saying, in our lives. That the flesh will produce excuses. But that the spirit produces power. And may we not produce excuses in our lives. But may there be a power of God. Let us not play dead in the world that God has placed us. Don't play dead. And ignore and just hope that someone else will bring the hope. Don't go to your workplace and think well someone else. But that's what the preacher gets paid for. Or I sent my money to a televangelist. Maybe they'll listen to it but that God would use us, that we would remain alive, that we would live in the moment, we would live for the more. Let me give you the last one. That we would live to multiply. That we would live to multiply. Paul says this word, he says, I will remain alive so I can continue to help you grow. I will remain alive so I can continue to help you grow. Our goal, if we're going to remain alive, we need to live in the moment. We've got to continue in the faith. Don't let it be what you did, what you did two years ago, five years ago. Let it be today. Let your pursuit of God not be what you used to do. Let it be what God is leading you into today. Don't judge according to what was, but in this moment, what is right now of what God is doing in our midst. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. You know what you're doing when you're waiting for the so-called right moment? you're missing the moment. Waiting for the right moment, waiting for everything to come together, waiting for the pieces to be just right, waiting for this timing, waiting for this. Waiting for the right moment means you're missing the moment. So I believe what God wants to work in is not just the supernatural and, or, or not the just the special occasions, not just the special speaker moments or the special service moments, but in this right now moment. Right now. Everything that is needed for God to do a miracle is already here. In Jesus' name, cancer be gone. In Jesus' name, marriages be restored. In Jesus' name, back pain be healed. We don't need another time, something else, because in the right now moment, we have all that we need for God to do a miracle, His power and our availability. I know the Scripture says that there are certain things that, that this only happens with prayer and fasting. I know that. But at the same point, I can't just fast to make God do something. (laughs) I don't fast to get God to do something. I don't fast to, to make him say, uncle, uncle, okay, okay, I'll give it to you. No, I fast in a way of saying, God, help me get out of the way so I can hear your voice and line up with what you're doing and what you want to do in this moment. All that's needed for a miracle is here. All that's needed for the supernatural is here. You say, well, I don't deserve it. I've messed up. His grace is sufficient. It's not what you've done in the past. It's not what it's been. It's right now. Right now. I've got to live in the moment. I've got to live for the more. If I'm going to remain alive in this last one, I've got to live to multiply. Live to multiply. The purpose of my life is to multiply. That word, to, to add with, with great expansion. To, to add with expansion. To not just add, but, but to add faster, further. And I believe God is able to do more over more time. And I believe God can do more in more time. But God can also do more in little time. God doesn't need time. He chooses sometimes to take time. And I don't know all all the time understand why he does in the timing that he does things. But he doesn't need time to do more. Sometimes he takes his time. But he can do in a moment. in immediately. In a moment. And my prayer is that you would allow God to say, God, maybe today is the moment you want to do an immediate work. I'm going to trust you. I I don't know, but this might seem like just an ordinary day. But what looked like an ordinary day might just be the day that when you're living in the moment and when you're living for the more, God will show up and say, what looks like just an ordinary another day, another day is a multiplied thing. I'm setting things in motion. It looks like just another day. But in just another day, I'm going to do something like you've never seen before. Something like no other in just an ordinary day. It's not special because I woke up today and felt this ooh and ah that God might work. It was this faith in me that said, God today's the day. Help my eyes to see. Today's a day. This is all you need is this moment right now. You don't need a special prayer meeting. You don't need someone to call the prayer chain and get thousands of people praying. God, will do all that. You can work more in more time. But God, you're also able to work more in less time. You can do a miracle in the moment and you are still the God of the immediate, to multiply in a moment and allow it to go further. When I'm living in the moment, I'm looking for those opportunities for God to multiply, multiply. I'm going to wrap up here, but I want you to hear the impact of multiplying. Because Paul said, he said this, he said, I'm convinced I will remain alive because it's better for you so that I can help you I can help you grow in your joy of the faith Paul said I want to help you true success is not when you do something true success is not when we arrive or position ourselves above others but when we come alongside and we assist others true success is not when we achieve something greater than someone else But true success is when we partner alongside and we help push people further than we are. Paul said, It's better for me, for you, that I remain alive to help you. How many know Paul's not here anymore? Paul died a long time ago. But how many know he left something? That remains alive today I was talking to uh, someone recently And they are full-blooded Italian And uh, I learned rather quickly That my opinion about spaghetti Is different than a real Italian person I was out to eat one time, and uh, someone ordered spaghetti. And I, I said to them, I said, spaghetti is just spaghetti. Why would you order spaghetti? And they're like, they have really good spaghetti here. And all the Italians are not going to like me for a moment, but you'll love me because grace and everything. But the way I grew up, there's nothing special about spaghetti. I mean, spaghetti is noodles put in water, boiled, and then open ragu and poured on top of the noodles. That's spaghetti. But then I found out that there are some people who know how to make spaghetti. How I many know what I'm talking about? You see, where I come from, it's meat and potatoes, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, the, uh, it, it's a lot different. And so I don't get excited about spaghetti. And I, I heard this one person said, oh, you ought to have my mom's spaghetti. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Spaghetti is spaghetti. But then I heard about the spaghetti. She takes this puree and this stuff all from scratch and makes this sauce that takes hours for the sauce. Now, no one ever did that in my home. All right, we don't take hours on the sauce. I mean, the longest thing it takes for us is to boil the noodles. And I don't even know if I said that right. I mean, I, I just, you, you just break them up. It's spaghetti. But when she began to say of what it is that it's special and all the sauce and all of it put together, I, I recognized there's a lot more to this than just open up the ragu. And I know how excited they are. And I'm thinking. And I said to them, the one who makes the spaghetti. I said, and I knew the answer. I said, where did you learn how to do that? I knew. I wasn't surprised when she told me. Oh, I learned it from my mom and my grandmother. Who knows how far back this whole thing of making spaghetti sauce. That what to me as a central PA kid. It's spaghetti, people. Don't get excited about it. It's just spaghetti. Until I met somebody who passed on something. And there was a recipe that remained. And her mother taught her daughter who taught her daughter. And now there was something. I never even met the grandmother. But, man, I tasted what the grandmother taught the granddaughter. I got to see what remained in the process because we will remain alive when we don't just look at doing something great for God, but we look at setting something great in motion. There's a pastor who is not too far from here. His name is Pastor David Hart. He pastored in Irwin, Pennsylvania. And in his time was one of the leading, leading pastors. In fact, in the late 80s, was pastoring one of the fastest growing churches in the Assemblies of God. And in that day, they were reaching up to a thousand people. And there was a lot of things taking place, people coming in and getting saved. He was a great pastor. There was one family that came in and they had a teenage son who also came into the church and gave his heart to Jesus. While growing up or spending time in that church, he felt a call to ministry, and Pastor Hart began to mentor. Pastor Hart came alongside. He went off to college. He came back a little later, and he served under Pastor Hart. He served, and he was mentored by Pastor Hart. That young pastor, in his own way, became a great leader. He became a great pastor. And he moved to Uniontown, To do a work that God had called him to do. David Hart mentored Don Immel. Don Immel pastored here. And came in 91 or the late 80's. But in 91 the church of course became incorporated. And in 1999 another young pastor came. And that was me. And I sat under Pastor Don. And I was mentored. I've never met Pastor Hart but I feel like there's a piece of pastor heart inside of me. I've never met the man... But there was something that lived on. There was something that he imparted. Something that he passed. And there's something that I've never met or seen the guy. But he passed on to someone who passed on to me. It is our job to leave this, not just leave a legacy, but to impart. Paul says to fan into flames the gift that you receive through the laying on of hands. May we not just be people who do great things, but may we set great things in motion. It is not so much of what we do as much... It is about who we make. I know I'm only 39 years old. I'm not as young as I used to be but I know this as a 39 year old the kingdom of God is not about me it's not about my preference I am already learning and finding people to train and to turn it over to because the kingdom of God will outlive me it's not about me it's time to raise up other people who can run further than I can run who, can, who I can push further than I can go I'm looking for the people that we can radiate and send and invest in because the kingdom of God is bigger than me It's time to multiply. If we're going to remain alive, we've got to live in the moment right now. If we're going to remain alive, we've got to live for the more in the decisions that we make. If we're going to remain alive, we've got to live to multiply, to invest in. I've got three kids in my home. And they think I'm weird when I stop and talk about the questions of what God's doing in your life and how it is. They look at me and say, Dad, just be a dad. He'll be quiet soon. Kind of like y'all look at me every Sunday, but I'm kidding, you know. Just totally kidding.
1: But I'm the dad
0: who says, hey, so what's God doing in your life? I don't know. What do you want? What do you, uh, what's, what's God speaking to you? Why? Because I don't want to just be known because I preach some sermons that are quickly forgotten before you even get home. I want to be known that there was someone that I came into their life and I impacted and imparted something of the gospel, something of anointing, and they're running. They might not even know my name, but something in me got in them and the work of God... Paul said that it got on them and it continued, it multiplied it's not about look what I can do it's about look what God is doing through the people that are around us we must multiply, it's not enough to have a church at 690 Morgantown Road, God give us Fayette County, may we radiate beyond this place may we multiply may we catch the vision how's it going to work Oh, we got a good worship team and we got a preacher who doesn't know how to breathe. He just talks real fast and gets real excited. Woo! We're going to build the church. No. The only way we're going to build the church is when the Holy Spirit works because if we if we labor, we labor in vain because the Lord builds the house. And here's what we do. We say, "God, we're a, we're aligning ourselves with you. We're availing ourselves with you. Help us to not Play dead in the world that we're in but help it to get on the inside of us and help us to remain alive to see a world come alive in Jesus Christ it might just be a conversation it might just be an invitation I don't know what it'll be but let's not play dead let's remain alive let's carry out this work and allow God to radiate beyond us remain alive Look at your neighbor one more time. Tell him, look alive. Look alive. I don't speak Greek, and I'll never pretend to. But I do know this, because I looked it up, and the word for alive, or to remain, in this scripture of Philippians 1, verse 25, the word remain, to the Greek, is a word that means to abide, or it also means to endure. How many know that sometimes abiding and enduring can be a hard thing? Here's what the word means, though. This is Greek for the word remain. And here it is. May know. Did I just impress you right there? I pulled out some Greek. I just pulled it right out there. I just threw it right. May no. May no idea what it means, but may know. <laughs> may know. I thought it was pretty interesting that the word for remain or to remain alive in the Greek is meno how about in the English me no isn't it interesting that in order for us to remain alive to abide to endure to radiate it means we're going to have to be able to say God not about me me no you yes not me some of you are like, that, that, that just sounds funny well you're going to remember it when you go home and you're going to start speaking Greek well hopefully when the devil comes along and says, hey this isn't going to work it's not happening it's not working the way you wanted it to, it's not happening and you feel like just plain dead because all of a sudden now the threat gets bigger than you that report you just got is overtaking you and now your faith feels like I just need to I just need to play dead and just hope for another chance. No, God didn't die on the, send his son to die on the cross so you can learn how to play dead. He said, rise up, remain alive. Endure, me no remain. Don't, do, don't give in to the flesh. Don't do what the flesh wants, but hold on to what the promise of God is and say to God, God, I'm gonna say no to me. I'm going to say yes. I want to choose more. I want to decide for more. In Jesus' name. You received that this morning? Does that make sense? Can we say yes to that today? Here's why. Because God, we want you to do greater things. Greater things.